What is up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of Game Point Pod. My name is Fata, and the man of the weekend is here, the broski Yezin in the building. What's good? Oh, man. Life is good, my friend. And above all else, the NBA Finals is upon us. We are here. This long podcast journey of ours has come to the NBA Finals, and I am ready to talk about it. Who would have thought, man? What a journey. All right. Well, let's continue on the positive vibes here as we got some interesting topics to discuss. As Yezin indicated, we'll have our final series preview, as well as discuss some Olympic qualifiers that we got going on. We got ourselves a good one. Let's drop this beat for the culture. On this week's segment of Run That, we will be talking about the NBA Finals. Like Yasin indicated, who would have thought we would be almost at the finish line so quickly? Damn. Anyways, as everybody is aware, the Phoenix Suns took care of business Game 6 at the Staples Center as they took out the Los Angeles Clippers to make their first Finals berth since 1993. Chris Paul, CP3, leading the way to close out with a 41-point effort as he is one step closer to achieving his goal that has knocked on his legacy for so long. On the other side, in the East, things got a little haywire as Trey Young went down with an injury in Game 3, and in the following Game 4, Giannis goes down with a hyperextended knee injury that derailed him for the rest of the series. Atlanta was able to shock the world and tie the series 2-2 heading back to Milwaukee for a pitiful Game 5, in which the Bucks absolutely decimated the Hawks and in game six put the nail in the coffin to punch their ticket to the NBA finals. So to wrap things all up and to wrap up this soliloquy of mine, we got the NBA finals matchup that we have guessed at the very beginning of the season. Of course, that's just a joke being sarcastic here. Stop the cap. (laughs) And that is the Phoenix Suns versus the Milwaukee Bucks. Who will win a ring this year? Yazin Giannis's Bucks or CP3 Suns? Man, this is this is so cool. It's so cool that this is the first time in a long time we haven't really had like a, a quote-unquote super team uh, in the NBA Finals. We haven't had a collection of superstars. It's, you know, these teams have been built really from the ground up. If you think of Milwaukee, uh, you know, I saw a picture a couple of days ago from their 2013-2014 roster uh, where Giannis and Chris Middleton were on that roster that that had the worst record in the league at one point. And if you looked at their 2K stats, they were both in the 60s. And now here they are. They've grown together. They've worked together. And then that that general manager, man, he he put a team around them to keep Giannis. Remember, he was a free agent. And there was rumblings that he was ready to leave. Uh, and they mortgaged a lot of their future uh, to get Drew Holiday, you know, get a couple guys like P.J. Tucker, who was very instrumental, uh, you know, make these... Brooke Lopez, these signings that are very underrated but very valuable for them. Uh, and then you look at the Suns. I mean, drafting they have they have nailed the draft. Uh, you know, they have uh, they drafted Booker, they drafted Aiton, they drafted Bridges, uh, they drafted Cam Johnson, and then you know they made the trade for CP3. Uh, you know, a couple other free agent signings, Jay Crowder. So both of these teams were really built over the last couple of years, and it's super exciting to see them both in the uh, NBA Finals. And, you know, this is a very much a legacy Finals. It's Giannis versus CP3. You know, does CP3 
get that ring to put him in the upper echelon of point guards in history? Uh, does Giannis finally get that ring so that he can pi- finally prove that he's in the conversation of, you know, the best basketball player in the world? He's up there with the KDs and LeBrons. So, uh, it's going to be a super interesting matchup. Both crowds are going to just eat it up because neither of them have seen an NBA finals in a long, long time. So I'm very excited for it. Yeah, I definitely echo those same feelings because I am thrilled that not only do we have a very random finals matchup, but also an exciting one, right? Like you mentioned, I believe that these teams are closely matched than people anticipated. And it's definitely going to be one for the books. I mean, when you look at, you know, the two players in which you highlighted that have their legacies on hold due to the lack of finals berths and rings, of course, and finally have the opportunity to seize the moment. The Suns, the Phoenix Suns, if you look at it from a team perspective, they got a plethora of wing defenders just like the Bucks do. And in addition to that, they both got serviceable bigs that can put up points when their names were called upon. When you look at DeAndre Ayton versus Brooke Lopez and his coming out party in Game 5. And in addition to that, they both got lethal shooters, one more consistent than the other, of course, <clears throat> Middleton. <clears throat> and lastly, the superstar leaders in Chris Paul and Giannis Antetokounmpo. As for Giannis, I really hope he's healthy enough to compete for the duration of the series because we haven't had the details as to how severe the injury was and what his status will be. And uh, I kind of floated the scenario off a few friends here in the event that Giannis doesn't play game one and the Bucks end up losing. I can see Giannis suiting up and fighting through injury to play in game two if it's manageable, kind of like the James Harden situation with the Brooklyn Nets in order to steal back home court. However, if they do end up winning game one, we may not see Giannis until game three, perhaps. So there's a lot of uncertainty in the air. But if I had to go with a prediction, I feel like the Suns have an edge offensively just a bit with their weapons. And in addition to that, you got to look at their bench. I mean, when you look at guys like Cameron Payne, Cam Johnson, and, you know, and a few others that come off the bench and provide the offensive spark, I feel like edges out the Pat Connaughton's of the world and, you know, Brian Forbes and and Bobby Portis, to say the least. So it's really close to call at this point. But I got Chris Paul winning his first ring. I got Suns in seven. Wow, seven. It To me, it's important. Giannis is going to – Giannis's health is, is, is of the utmost important. The fact that he had to miss the last two games is – is very key because a guy who competes like Giannis does, for him to miss a game, it has to have been something worthwhile. It has to be an injury that took him really completely out of it. But but the silver lining in that is the Bucks performed admirably while he was gone. You know, a lot of people thought, oh man, Giannis goes down, that offense is just going to crash and burn. Guess what? Brooke Lopez put up 33. Nick's legend, Bobby Portis, once a Nick, always a Nick, putting up numbers. You know, Chris Middleton shaking off those, uh, you know, a couple bad shooting performances, getting hot in the third, getting hot in the fourth, carrying that team. They were okay. You know, this team was built around Giannis, but those complimentary players found a way to work without him. And, you know, I, I give a lot of grief to Mike Budenholzer for some of the things that he did. He almost lost, you know, this season for his bucks several times with a lot of goofy, goofy coaching decisions. But he was able to coach him up really well. Obviously, Trey Young was out for that one game, uh, game five, and then he came back on the elimination game in game six. Uh, so credit to, to Budenholzer. I mean, Giannis is not going to miss the finals. I, I know he's hurt. I know he's injured. As long as, you know, 
all of his limbs are attached and there's no tears or significant damage like that, he's going to play. We're, we'll see him put some patches on, some some knee braces, whatever, whatever it takes, you know, for for him to play. That's what he's going to do. Uh, and I, like, it's really hard to make a prediction right now. But my heart is telling me Chris Paul because he's a he's an OG. You know, he's point god. He's he deserves this. But my my mind is just telling me Giannis. He's gonna he's gonna kick it into high gear, man. He you know this is this is he's needed this for a long time too, and for him to be hurt too, I think he's gonna work twice as hard to get back. I, I think the Bucks just might edge it out. Do I go seven? Mm, you know, just to balance you, I'll go seven. I'll go Bucks in seven. Just just to, just to balance you out. Yeah, because I mean the uncertainty of Giannis definitely puts a big cloud on on my prediction but i still think that even with him there very limited it's a pretty close even match in my opinion also i think we got to talk about Giannis and him forcing himself into the finals while being hurt and we kind of saw that in 2019 with kd playing for the warriors in that pivotal game five down three one and then ultimately tearing his Achilles, which would put him out for at least a year. I wonder if Giannis and maybe the outlook of the NBA has changed from that regard in which maybe the Bucks doctors say, hey, listen, maybe we need to hold them back. But at the same time, how many times do you get to the finals? How many times are you going to see the Brooklyn Nets big three be hurt? When? Uh, how many times are you going to see Kawhi get hurt? How many times are you going to see the Lakers not make the finals? I mean, this is the only opportunity I feel that the Bucks will need to capitalize. And I don't know if Giannis would potentially try to play in the finals and perhaps if worst case scenario were to happen to jeopardize his career. I wonder how much he will influence those doctors' decisions in order for him to be clear to play. What do you think? Oh no, he's gonna push through. He's gonna he's gonna you're gonna see like a KD in twenty nineteen. Now, did it work out for KD? No, it didn't, because they they lost the championship and tore his Achilles and he, you know, was gone for a year. He missed an entire year of his career. I think this is a little bit of a different injury with the knee strain. It's, it's not, it's not ligament damage. It's not, uh, you know, soft tissue. You know, it, it's, it's a strain. It, it's joints and it's things like that. So I think he'll push through. I think he'll, if he doesn't play game one and they lose, you'll see him in game two. If they, if he doesn't play in game one and they win, potentially you don't see him in game two. Uh, but I think Giannis just has the heart, man. Like you've seen him put in the work, you've seen him in the gym, you've seen his body change, like how how big he's gotten, how dedicated he is to this. You have four games left to win a championship. That's when you have to look in, at the NBA Finals. It's not like, oh, you know what? I'll have another chance at this. Some guys never make it to the finals. Some guys, some guys make it and never make it again. So if you know, Giannis is going to look at that knee and think to himself, you know what, I have the rest of my career to rehab this and, and do whatever it takes, go to Germany, get some blood platelets like Kobe did, do whatever it takes, stem cells, doesn't matter. You have four games to win an NBA championship, you you have to do it. You have to play and you have to muscle through. He's a young guy. I think he's not going to really care about the future of his career when he's this close to the Larry O'Brien trophy. Also, he got the entire offseason to kind of heal up, so... I mean, you're yeah. right at the finish line. You just got to push a little bit through, just a little bit. Yeah, it's right. He's right there. You know what I'm saying? It's like 
have you seen those sprinters who kind of who get injured in like a marathon and uh, you know a lot of times when you're just close enough you know what if you have to crawl to get across the finish line i'm gonna crawl to get across i'm sure cp3 would do the exact same if he was hurt any player would you saw kd do it you've seen the greats mm-hmm. do it you saw willis reed in the 70s come back through the tunnel and have a miraculous comeback like guys do this there there are certain people who are built for this i put the team on my back dude They'll take the pain. They'll take the cortisone shots, do whatever it takes. I want to hold up that trophy. And that's why I think, you know, Giannis comes back, busts his ass, you know, you know, takes a lot of preparation, rehabs like crazy over this next, you know, couple of hours, really, uh, and, and comes back and, and plays, man. He doesn't miss this finals for a second. If he, if he misses one game, that's the most I'll give him. Yeah, I definitely agree. I just cannot wait for finals basketball. And they tip off Tuesday, July 6th at 9 p.m. It should be an entertaining series. And I'm looking forward to see who comes up on top. Is it going to be Chris Paul or is it going to be Giannis? We shall see. I'm pumped. Let's go. NBA finals is back. No bubble final. No, no Mickey Mouse final. None of that stuff. This is a real NBA finals, man. Let's go. Yes, sir. All right, let's continue on with these positive vibes and let's talk about the Atlanta Hawks, who has had an exceptional second half of the season plus playoffs. As you are aware, Lloyd Pierce, who was the former coach, was let go halfway through the season when the Hawks were primed as a playoff team, ended up underperforming heavily despite the massive roster improvements, and thus Nate McMillan took over as interim head coach. He helped propel the Atlanta Hawks to the fourth seed in the East, all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals, taking out a tough New York Knicks and 76ers squad and pushing the experienced Bucks to six games. Now that they've gained this experience and exposure, what is the ceiling of this Hawks team for the foreseeable future? So on my end, I was a big fan of the Atlanta Hawks roster last offseason and loved the added shooting and veteran leadership that this young team desperately needed. It paid dividends as guys like Danilo Gallinari, Bogdanovich, and you know Clint Capella and others have shown up in big games and crucial moments where a young team would typically collapse. Players should get their flowers, but this is the same roster that wasn't giving the team this kind of effort. So a lot of the credit really has to go to the coaching staff, primarily Nate McMillan, who has steered this team into a borderline contender simply by playing aggressive and allowing Trey Young to play freely, but also utilizes teammates to the best of their abilities. The success has fueled this roster to heights that they did not expect to be this deep into this rebuild. This will be critical to take the next step, which leads to the million-dollar question. Where does this Hawks team go? My answer is they will go as far as the front office can take them. To me, I still think that they're a piece away to make the finals, and if they do get this piece, they'll make the finals in due time. They need to add someone that can complement those wing players and Herder and Bogdanovich that can get their own bucket. However, after seeing the last few games of the Buck series, they may not have to do it with the surprise of Cam Reddish, who has been outright amazing in his limited minutes. Coach McMillan has highlighted that he sees a little bit of Paul George in Cam Reddish's game. And I can surely see it as well since I called it out a few weeks ago. He could potentially be the piece the front office may be looking for to help propel this team that much closer to that finals berth. But as of right now, trending towards the right direction, but it's just a matter of whether Cam Reddish can be that guy that can take the next step as well as the the core of 
Herder, Bogdanovich, and others, or they acquire a guy in free agency that propels them to the next step. How about you, Yes, and what do you think? Mm, this pains me. This pains me because uh, obviously this team, very, I'm very sour towards them because they did me wrong this offseason. But, you know, cue up the shack. Ah, ah, because, you know, the Hawks are going to be soaring. Uh, you know, Nate McMillan was unjustly fired, you know, not too long ago, and then he became an assistant coach. And, you know, the Hawks are the perfect place for him. He's a, a very experienced coach with a very young, talented roster. And Cam Reddish, like you said, is the is the key to that. He missed most of their of their postseason. He, you know, came back in, in this series uh, and, and we saw flashes of what he could be. So um him being 100% will definitely change the rotation a little bit. I think now that they have a couple pieces that they know are going to work, uh, you know, they're going to bring along uh, their center from USC. Uh, they're going to bring along Capella. They're going to bring, keep probably bring back, uh, you know, Bogdanovich. Obviously, they, they signed these guys to a couple, you know, a couple year deals, Bogdanovich and, and Gallinari. Um, and, and just kind of tinker with this roster as it, as it is right now. Um, you know, I don't think they need to swing for the fences and try to trade for like a superstar or anything. I think they have, super super depth really for them to uh to to compete in the eastern conference and trey young's going to keep getting better and better nate mcmillan is a proven coach um and you know this team is probably going to be in the top five of the east for the next couple years at least uh if not more um you know free agency i think just you know a backup point guard would help uh definitely trying to get someone like they what they did with rondo really when they when they signed him obviously they traded him in the middle of the season but to get someone like rondo who can kind of mentor trey young a little more uh get another big who can mentor capella a little more uh that'll be very helpful so when it comes down to free agents as an example Atlanta right now, they've built a program that could be potentially an attraction to free agents coming in in the next few years or so. Do you have someone in mind, maybe perhaps in this free agency class or in the future, that may be a good fit for this Atlanta Hawks team? Uh, I mean, right now, no, because, I mean, they're going to be pretty cash-strapped this year. Uh, you know, they're, they they went off last off season uh, and signed a lot of guys. So uh, in the immediate future, no, I don't see anyone uh, that can potentially come down there. Um, but I mean, when you have Trey Young and you have a lot of young assets, uh, you know, like a reddish, like a hunter, like a Capella, uh, you can make a deal if you if you want to. But I don't think the Hawks are built for that. I think the Hawks are built to be ten guys deep, um, and that's what really got them you know, as far as they did, uh, you know, a lot of Trey Young, like would sit for long stretches, at least in the Knicks, uh, playoff series, and they would continue to just pile it on. So uh, I think their depth is, is one of their most important things. And, you know, obviously there's going to be guys who are going to look to want to play with Trey Young. a lot of bigs who are probably going to be like, you know what, maybe Trey Young is the real deal. Maybe he's the one I want to go to. So, uh, they're going to have to w- figure out that cap, uh, situation very soon if they want to become a um, a trade destination. Yeah, and like you mentioned, the good thing is that they have a lot of young players who are on team-friendly contracts, so it's better just to see what they can do with this roster, and then if they need to make any minor adjustments down the stretch, they can certainly do so, whether it is trade or free agency, as Atlanta is becoming a, a very high-sided free agency destination in years to come. So Atlanta Hawks, all they can look is up at this point. Yeah, unfortunately, they're going to soar. Uh, just don't play the Knicks in the playoffs anymore. We'll be square. We'll be Gucci. <laughs> All 
I also love Trey Young's uh, villain role in this playoffs. We we haven't had that kind of villain in quite a while now. Even though he's a good guy, it's just that like he embraced the villain role, and that's something that I appreciate to watch as an NBA fan. It makes it it made it a lot more fun. I will say that it made it very fun to hate someone as much as I hated him. Uh, and he kept it going. I'm sure the Sixers fans hated him. I'm sure the Bucks fans hated him. And he's he's gonna revel in that, I think. And you know he. The NBA needs, you know, a little bit of character, a little bit of story. Ice Trey, you know, that's he's the guy right now that everyone is everyone is gunning to take down, you know. And so, uh, yeah, he embraced that role. Most definitely. All right. So let's head on over to the last topic of Run That. And it's regarding the international stage where the Olympic basketball qualifiers are currently taking place. There are notable countries competing, such as Lithuania, Slovenia, Greece, Canada, Turkey, just to name a few. Only a few spots were remaining that were up for grabs, and they were finalized over the weekend where Slovenia taking down Lithuania and Czech Republic blowing out Greece to both secure their tickets to Tokyo for the Olympics this month. Let's talk about surprises and disappointments from the qualifier tournaments. Yazin, I'll start off with you. Who are your surprises and who are your disappointments? Yeah, so this qualifying tournament is very strange, very interesting. Uh, obviously, with COVID, things kind of changed. So the rules basically were that they took you know a certain amount of teams, uh, the top ranked teams from the World Cup in 2019, and then the rest of the teams were were basically playing a bunch of qualifying tournaments, six teams, uh, you know, per tournament, three groups of uh, two groups of three, uh, and then one team from each of those uh, qualifying tournaments made it into the Olympics. Um, and there was a lot of really good teams out there like a lot of teams that you would see as you know perennials like lithuania like like serbia and you know obviously we got to talk about canada so you know if we're going to talk about surprises uh i mean italy to me is is, is a huge surprise beating serbia to make it in uh, obviously they didn't have nikola jokic who uh the mvp who deservedly was on vacation probably riding a horse somewhere as we saw on twitter um but you know, they did have a lot of other NBA, uh, you know, NBA superstars or not superstars, I guess, but M- NBA players, really. Uh, and, and in the international stage, if you have anyone with NBA experience, you're already uh, ahead of the curve. So um, for them to lose to Italy, uh, who really, you know, obviously they didn't have Gallinari, who's their, their probably best player. They had Nico Mannion of, of Golden State, uh, but not a lot of other discernible players uh, in the NBA. And, and they make it into the into the uh, Olympics now. Uh, and Serbia, who I believe was in the gold medal game in, in um, the last Olympics, uh, is not, is going home. They're, they're not gonna they're not gonna even be in the tournament. So uh, it's gonna be very interesting to see. So kudos to Italy for for making it to the Olympics. And hey, kudos to Italy for making it as far as they did in Euro too. This this country, something's in the water over there. I guess I'll start off with my disappointments, and to me, it kind of hits home here, and that is our native country, Canada falling to advance in one that may regard as the weakest remaining qualifying tournament hosted on their own soil. I mean, the team had eight, I repeat, eight NBA players and failed to advance with an OT loss to the Czech Republic who had one NBA player, and that was Thomas Sanoraski. If someone were to tell me that a Canadian team that comprised of Andrew Wiggins, RJ Barrett, Lou Dort, Corey Joseph, and others would be ousted by Thomas Sanoraski, not in a million years. And yet the program has fallen short. You look at countries like Slovenia, who has qualified for their first Olympic berth in history with Luka Doncic, of course, taking out a powerhouse like Lithuania on his own. And yet 
we couldn't with eight NBA players. It's awfully sad to see, and I hope that other players who couldn't play, such as, you know, Shai Gilchrist Alexander, Jamal Murray, Tristan Thompson, and others, uh, will commit in building a program because we have the talent. The talent is there, but it's just simply unacceptable to not play in an international stage like the Olympics if you are healthy. And at this point, the Canadian program has the talent and they just need to push through. So that was my disappointment. Yeah, Canada has to be the disappointment for the both of us. Um, you know, for, for years, I've been saying that that Canada has the opportunity to really challenge the United States as like the next sort of, you know, basketball powerhouse on the international stage. They have no reason not to. Uh, they had the most NBA players, like you said, out of all the teams in the qualifying tournament. And yes, they were missing Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Yes, they were missing Jamal Murray. Yes, they were missing Dylan Brooks. But, I mean, you have RJ Barrett. You have Andrew Wiggins. You have Lou Dort. Uh, you have other guys who were in the NBA before. You had Andrew Anthony Bennett. Uh, you know, you have, you have Dwight Powell, who's on the Mavericks right now. You, you, just, you had a lot of, of talent professional talent that plays against the highest quality and caliber players and you lose to a Czech Republic that has one NBA player the fact that they were even down in that game is is kind of embarrassing because you know they looked so good against Greece they looked so good against China and then they go and play the Czech Republic who did advance to and you know they beat Greece Um, but that's that was Canada's spot man like yeah two of your best players are out but come on like you still had an amazing amazing amount of talent uh, to make it into into the uh, Olympics, and you know, obviously they wouldn't have played in the Olympics, those guys. But you know, this is would have been an, a really good step for them to build this program. Uh, this bat- and you had Nick Nurse as a coach too. Like it's just it just everything kind of came together. I they were a real favorite for me to come out, especially on home court too. So now we have to wait mm-hmm. until the next sort of FIBA World Cup. Uh, you know, we're going to see more Canadian talent obviously come in. We're going to hope that some of these guys stay healthy. But this was a very bad missed opportunity for them uh, to make it and to get on, onto the you know international stage. I, I could have seen them in at least a bronze medal game, silver medal game, if not the championship game. So, uh, you know, very disappointed in the Canadian team. Shout out to RJ Barrett for, for holding it down. Uh, I know you and I talked about him a little bit. And, you know, he was he was clearly at one point the best player on that team. Uh, in those games. Andrew Wiggins obviously has been a changed player uh, since going to Golden State. So, um, you know, when that team is healthy, maybe it's a different story. But again, no excuses. Yeah, of course. I'm really hoping that there is immediate change because at this point, we have way too much talent not to fail like this. So hopefully Canada's program wakes up a bit and hopefully get to see them in the next FIBA World Tournament like you mentioned. And this segues to my surprise of the Olympic qualifying tournament, and that is Lithuania falling short. Despite having two premier twin towers in Sabonis and Balanchunas, they somehow failed to advance as they were handled by Luka Doncic uh, and Slovenia to not make to the Olympics. So to me, I I don't know what really happened. Maybe it was a lack of firepower from the backcourt. I'm not sure, but I thought they were a guaranteed lock. Don't you think? Yeah, this just goes to show you the superpower of Luka Doncic. This man eliminated a team that was, you know, a, a, a perennial favorite in the Olympics. You know, uh, Lithuania is not just, you know, Sabonis and Valentunis, who are two, I mean, all-star caliber players. Uh, but you also had a lot of sort of role players that have been in and out of the NBA. You had Mindaugas Kuzminskins. You have, you have a lot of guys who've kind of been through the NBA ringer on Lithuania. And you just have a program that, that churns out uh, NBA caliber players. 
and they lose to Luka Doncic and a bunch of no names. You know, no offense to to all the uh, other Slovenian basketball players. Dragic didn't even play, and Dragic didn't even play. Yeah, uh, so I mean, you know, Doncic willed that by himself uh, throughout that whole tournament, and Doncic was probably dead tired on on, on tired legs carrying the Mavericks as far as he did. Uh, so that just goes to show you how special Luka Doncic is, man. But Lithuania, yeah. This Olympics is going to be weird to not see a lot of these teams like Serbia and Lithuania, Canada, uh, you know, Brazil. A lot of these teams are not going to be in it. So I don't know what what the future holds. I don't know who's going to lose to the U.S. in the championship game, uh, but it's going to be a very weird one to see. A lot of stars not playing, obviously, with COVID and things like that. So, uh, yeah, it's very sort of wide open as to how that race is going to look. Yeah, honestly, for me, I kind of like the refreshing change. We already see that change in the NBA Finals where, we, you know, we got two random teams in play with the Suns and the Bucks, And now you're kind of seeing it on the international stage with these new teams, fresh blood coming into this tournament. So as a basketball fan, whether it's international or NBA, I kind of like the unpredictability of who will come out on top. Obviously, the U.S. is a heavy favorite in this tournament, but... Who knows, man, like, you know, a couple of these players that are playing in, in the finals currently are on that USA roster and maybe with tired legs, they might gas out a little bit and one other team can just jump in by surprise and steal something. So we'll see what happens. I kind of like just the fresh blood in, in both uh, stages here. Yeah. And man, basketball doesn't end for us because as soon as the finals are over, we don't have to wait long before the Olympics starts. So it's a whole basketball heavy summer for us. And Honestly, after the, the last year and a half, it is very welcome. Yeah, I wonder how that will work with free agency at the same time for some players who are playing the Olympics who happen to be free agents. That's going to be an interesting thing to see. It's got to be a lot of closed-door meetings, my friend. A <laughs> lot of closed-door meetings. A lot yeah. of tampering. A lot yeah. of tampering. Oh, yeah. No kidding. All right, so that wraps up Rundat. Let's head on over to AO Moment of the Week. AO, what the f***? Okay, so... Just to continue on with, from the Olympics here, my AO moment of the week comes from the semifinals of the Olympic qualifying tournament where Canada squared off against the Czech Republic. Canada was down two with three seconds left in overtime and had one play to tie or win the game. You guys know me as a Raptors fan. I have my absolute trust in Nick Nurse as he will always perform at a high level in any high leverage situation or moment. And I truly thought that Canada will at least tie the game. So let's fast forward to the game itself, right? That, that play in particular. As Canada goes through the motions of the inbound play, I was like, this play looks awfully familiar. Nick Nurse took a play right out of his Raptors playbook and had someone set a screen in the back baseline for a player to pop out to the corner three furthest from the inbound to catch the pass and ultimately shoot it. So... As the inbound pass was being thrown, I see a player that pops out to catch the ball. It wasn't Andrew Wiggins. It wasn't RJ Barrett. Hell, it wasn't even Lou Dort either. It was Trey Lyles. I repeat, Trey Lyles was taking the last second shot and ends up falling short. He has been struggling all game. I was watching from the beginning to end. He was struggling all game, and I'm not sure why Nick Nurse decided it was best to put the ball in Lyles' hands with Canada's Olympic hopes on the line. To me, it was just so strange considering how Wiggins had a solid game and somehow didn't get a look. I would rather live and die with Andrew Wiggins taking that shot. 
You know what? As if it got to the point where I'm capping for Wiggins right now. Like, sheesh. Like, now, man, how am I capping for Wiggins right now? This is absolutely ridiculous. Ooh, that's uh, <laughs> that's something. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, it's a very sheesh, yikes situation. Whatever name you call it, it's that situation. And now Canada is sitting at home thinking about these what-if scenarios for another four years. I guess it's on to 2024. Damn. What a lost opportunity. Want, you want to know another what-if opportunity? That same Trey Lyles was traded on draft night for Donovan Mitchell. Um, <laughs> so Trey Lyles just yep. not having a great career there, uh, native of Saskatchewan, Saskatoon. So, I mean, yeah, uh, I watched that game. I, 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 I followed the highlights, excuse me. You have so many guys who could have shot that shot. So many. Um, you have Wiggins. You have Barrett. You have Nikhil Alexander-Walker who – I mean, gosh, he was yes. he was on fire. He he really had a coming out party. Uh, you know, I I trust his three point shot a lot more than I trust Trey Lyles' three point shot. Um, you know, so just very very bizarre for him for for that to be the play call. Uh, speaking of bizarre, my AO moment of the week goes to Steve Ballmer, the owner of the Los Angeles Clippers. <laughs> Uh, celebrating um, during uh, their game against the Phoenix Suns in a very strange way. Uh, two gentlemen, uh, one to his left and one to his right, kind of grabs them both by the thigh and you know gives them a, a nice, a nice, a nice grab there uh, of of their of their legs. Uh, I'm trying to paint a picture here. Uh, just a just a very strange and you know. Weird way to celebrate. I'm hoping he knew who those guys were um, because if they were complete strangers, Steve Ballmer might have another problem on his hands. Um, but yeah, I mean, he kind of just just took just held both of them and just you know let him know he was there. You know what I'm saying? Just, just gave him gave him two bear claws over on the on those thighs. <laughs> uh, so Steve Ballmer, I mean, I've seen you celebrate in very strange ways. That boy, that boy, that boy says. Maybe next time, don't invade personal space of other people. Uh, you know, maybe don't touch them <laughs> if they don't want you to touch them. I know you're a billionaire, but it doesn't really give the excuse. Uh, just celebrate like a normal dude who's of your age. You know, just kind of pump your fists. You know, do a yeah, all right, hell. Don't don't do these weird dance moves. And we've seen him go crazy on Microsoft launches. And don't grab people. Just just be a just celebrate normally. You know, you know, just just be a normal person. <laughs> on the baseline that's all i gotta say about that that's asking a lot for steve ballmer to be normal yeah it's a bit of a stretch it's a bit of a stretch but i mean that one was uh you required a, a couple looks there on, on the highlights of did he did he just do what i what i think he just did? oh he did okay yeah so yikes yeah it was very strange and i i just thought in my mind i'm like could you imagine if that was Kawhi Leonard sitting next to him with his injured knee and just Steve Ballmer just literally grabbing and shaking it as he's celebrating? I could even imagine Kawhi's reaction to that. I don't think Kawhi would have flinched. I think Ka- Kawhi could have been in 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 immense amount of pain, uh, but it wouldn't have mattered because he's a robot. Uh, and maybe Steve Ballmer thinks he was healing Le- Kawhi if he did that, uh, but definitely not though. So maybe maybe Kawhi looks at his owner and says. Yeah, I don't know if I want to be here anymore, but yeah, Steve Ballmer, I mean, come on, dude, like, don't touch people, please, it's 2021. I can imagine Kawhi going, hey, 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 don't touch me, hey, hey, hey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah those are some great AO moments of the weeks, so let's wrap it up, and 
since we're going towards the NBA Finals, games of the week will probably be obsolete at this point because every game in the Finals is going to be our game of the week. So with that said, we'll just wrap up the episode. Thanks again for tuning in. Don't forget to like, subscribe to our podcast, Game Point Pod on IG and Game Point Pod underscore on Twitter. We are on Spotify, Apple, as well as Google platforms or wherever you listen to your podcast. Add reviews if you can. That'll be greatly appreciated. Yazin, is there anything you'd like to add before we sign off? Yeah, one question. Does Suns in four guy get a ring if the Suns win the championship? Because I'd like to know. If a, if a fan can get a ring, then I got to do what it takes. If I have to punch people at Madison Square Garden, <laughs> I'll do it. I just need to know this information. So we have to find this out. Well, you know what? I It really depends on fan stardom because when you look at a guy like Nav with the Raptors, he ended up getting a authentic ring from the Raptors, although he was a Raptors fan ever since the team was established and never missed he's, a game. He's, he's also a Hall of Famer. This is crazy. He's the first fan elected into the Hall of Fame. Come, what? Yeah. So, I mean, if that guy can get a ring, then I don't see why the Suns in four couldn't get a ring or at least be at ceremony night, probably like unveiling the banner. On behalf of the Phoenix Suns, <laughs> maybe maybe punching the uh, the Bucks mascot uh, over there in, in Phoenix, they'll bring a, a replica or something. I, just, I don't know how this guy got super famous. I don't know why I went off on this, but I mean, yeah, I just thought to myself, that Suns and Four guy, I haven't heard from him in a while, but he's he's gone pretty, he's gone off right now, and now they're in the finals. And I'm wondering if they go, if they win in four, boy, this guy's kind of secured the bag. Oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Well, with that being said, we'll end it off. That's game.